Oregon Employment First, supporting people with intellectual and developmental disabilities to work in community jobs. Learn more at iWorkWeSucceed.org. Hi, and welcome to the Oregon Employment First podcast. I'm Julie Huber, here with Micah Cisco, Mm -hmm. and we're both with the Office of Developmental Disability Services. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the employment conversation that a service coordinator or personal agent has at least every year when developing the career development plan. Before we get started, Mike and I would like to tell you a little bit about our backgrounds. Michael, will you share about your extensive experience with case management? Yeah, thanks, Julie. Um, I appreciate you having me here today. Uh, so I, uh, I spent the last uh, almost six years in case management um, working for Marion County and about uh, five years of that as a case manager and then the last year um, getting the opportunity to supervise uh, case managers, services coordinators. And my background is I've been in employment 25 years, mainly as a provider of job development or job coaching services to people with the most significant disabilities. I've also, since I've been at the Office of Developmental Disability Services, have spearheaded the career development planning process. And as we know, the conversation is the part that really kicks it off for most people. So we're so happy to have Micah here today with his extensive experience and to share what he's learned about the employment conversation and how to make it as robust and thorough as possible. So having said that, Micah, I want to start with talking about change and risk. And risk is often very scary. Can you talk a little bit about how you've navigated that conversation with people? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. The aspect of risk is um, probably, I would say, one thing that makes that conversation the toughest. Um, and the fear, um, you know, any time I think there's a new service or a change in the world, um, it's really tough for people to be able to kind of wrap their heads around and I think that, you know, historically in DD services, um, support comes to be able to help keep people healthy and safe and to be able to lead lives that are, um, I, I don't want to say controlled, but very secure. And so as a support team, it's always been our job to really be able to maintain that health and safety. And um the conversation around community employment is very interesting because a lot of people are really worried because they're either worried about themselves or it's a parent, a family member that's very concerned about somebody being able to go and work in the community and the risk that comes with that. Um, and so being able to have that conversation around of, you know, how risk plays a part in the quality of life for all of us. And how often, um, you know, you and I learn from, you know, making mistakes at times. And I think, um, you know, for a service coordinator and a personal agent to be able to navigate that conversation with a team who's really worried about fear or really worried about risk or, you know, any of that, um, it it can be really, really tough to navigate. And it takes some, um, some facilitation skills that 
are really important. But I think one of the biggest things that people need to understand, um, service coordinators and PAs need to understand when they go in there, is really um, the why. The why of community employment. So what is the purpose of it? Um, how is it enriching somebody's life? How could it improve somebody's life? How can it make them things better? Okay. Why somebody, why anybody works and why this change is happening. Um, because there needs to be optimism. There needs to be, you're, you're going in there and you have that, that knowledge and you have that it's, you have the opportunity to be able to, to change minds and to be able to direct conversations and to be able to ease some of those fears if it's coming from the person or the family member. Um, and so they, they really have to have that because they have to come in and be the optimist when you're having that conversation. And then I think the other side of that is the how. So, you know, with a lot of those questions, so if a parent is really nervous and they're saying, well, you know, I want them to have some sort of support. They just can't be out in the community by themselves or there's all this risk. You, you know, as a service coordinator, personal agent, the more you know about what services are available and the structure and, and how community, the path to community employment works, the more that you can ease some of those fears by, you know, letting that parent know that, you know, well, there's job coaching. So there will be staffing in those situations. There will be somebody there to be able to, to help, to be able to support, to be able to maintain um, whatever supports that person needs. And then when there's learning or when then they can fade back or maybe they won't ever, but they'll have those support and it's not just pushing people out. I know when we've talked before, um, we've also talked about that this is a, this is a time of transition and change. We've had uh, many, many shelter workshops closed here in Oregon. And so people are making a huge change to transition from the workshop to the community. And I know one of the things we've often talked about is, yes, it's change and it's risk, but the one thing we want to use this time for is to help people build a bridge to a to another life so when that setting is no longer there that that the person does not feel alone that they don't feel like what am I gonna do I kind of compare it to being in an ocean all of a sudden and not seeing anything familiar and I think when you began this conversation um, you talked about what employment could could do for a person and the support and the structure that it provides um, one of the things we've talked about previously is that by going to the workshop every day, people had structure, mm -hmm. people had uh, purpose, they had things to accomplish, they had friends. We all need structure in our lives and connections and friends and purpose. And so one of the things I thought was really great about that conversation was talking about how to really bridge the conversation from fear and risk and uncertainty to talking about the services as a path to get to where you want to be, what sure. you want your life to look like, whether that be using an employment path service, discovery service, mm -hmm. VR, finding a job on your own, using natural supports, 
that that conversation is really fundamental. Sure. Yeah. And I, I felt like as a service coordinator, um, trying to navigate the conversation of community employment with um, somebody who was currently employed at a sheltered worksite facility um, is one of the toughest conversations. And just just like you said, is um, there is so much fear there from the person or the, the support team because they've had something. You know, their reality has looked different. So for a lot of people, maybe they've worked at this wood shop for 25 or 30 years. Their schedule maybe hasn't changed. Their jobs have changed very little. And maybe some of the goals have been working on production or increasing skill level. But for the most part, it's continued to be this environment where they're surrounded by their peers. They, they have the same staffing, um, the same situation. And then so you know, as a service coordinator, a personal agent, then you have to come in and share that this is changing. And this won't, you know, you, you can't stay here. This, we have to transition into something else. And for a lot of people, that's a really tough thing to understand and to understand the why. And, and so I think that, you know, like, like what you were saying with, you know, how scary that is, it's up to the team then to really figure out how to support each person individually. Okay. So by asking questions of why do you like coming here? And then how do you pivot that into how it could be um, explored towards working in the community? So um, for instance, I had, um, I was a case manager for these two gentlemen and the first time I met them, um, I, I got to go visit their house and there was five, five guys living together and uh, they, it was like a fraternity house and they had, they had the den and they had the uh, man cave and they talked sports and they'd razz me and they were all jokesters. And um, these two gentlemen in particular um, worked at the same wood shop and they would wake up every morning they would get their lunch together they would ride the bus together they were they were best friends they were everything and then they'd clock in at the same time at the wood shop they would do the same jobs and then uh you know it was funny because when you would walk around the office they would go around to the receptionist they would pop into the different office i mean they were the superstars and everybody got their jokes and they would razz them and they had nicknames and they would fire people. And it was, they were, uh, they, yeah, they were celebrities. And, you know, so then when we had to have those tough conversations in the meetings, you know, that's what was at risk for them. It wasn't just you're going to, you know, possibly lose what you've known. You're going to lose the celebrity stature. Or am I going to lose that best friend? Am I going to lose my counterpart? And so it was really up to the team to be able to try to find a way to be able to support the guys, give them some individuality and be able to give them perspective on the fact that things will still be the same. Still things will, the world will still exist. Um, and so uh, those were some really tough conversations and it was really slow moving to be able to to get them to start agreeing to take some of the steps. Can you talk, can you can you tease out a little bit about what you just said about that was a really difficult conversation yeah. to have because it sounds like these two gentlemen were number one, very good at what they did. Yeah. Number two, 
great friends. And yeah. number three, um, really, like all of us, had some strong relationships at work. Yeah. Uh, so how did you have that conversation? Because apparently it was very difficult because sure. they were having a great time doing very good work. Yeah. So, um, right. I, absolutely. I mean, they had the strong relationships and they um, just an example of, you know, how much they were connected is they would come to each other's ISP meetings and they would happen in the same month. So we would have them back to back. Uh, and they would both sit in and to make sure that everything was okay in the other person's life. And so um, it was individualized, but it, it would also made it that we had that conversation kind of together, that both of them heard the conversation that we needed to start making change because, you know, having the conversation of having quality of life is important to you, right? You know, that having somewhere to go to is important to you, right? And being able to being able to get down to the purpose of what um, what what is what is important to you. So one of the gentlemen was extremely social. And so he was more on board than the other one who just flat out put his foot down. No. And so um, we I remember um, the whole team rallied around to really give them confidence and be proactive. Everybody that was involved in their lives to be able to say, you know, no, this is happening. What, here's the first steps. So um, I think a lot of the times when you're talking about the services, there's this huge goal of community employment. And we're starting all the way back here at your sheltered work site. And, you know, being able to break it down into steps of you know, there's a lot of things that need to happen before we can get to this community job. There's a lot of steps. And sometimes that's a really big, too big of an idea for somebody to grasp. And so, you know, for these guys, we needed to focus on one step at a time and be able to get you you on board for this one step. And then when you do the one step, then, okay, now we got you on board. Let's do the second step and be able to break it down just because they were so kind of against this, this idea. And so um, it, it, it actually took a couple of years. So <laughs> when you talk about both gentlemen, and they were, yeah. it sounds like, in very different places when it came to yeah. employment. And obviously, when you're friends, mm -hmm. you have a great deal of, of influence over another person. But they were both coming from, from very different places. So... How did you start the conversation with the person who put his foot down and said, said no? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it came to a point. I mean, both of these guys are, um, their understanding level is very high. And so it was, it was easier to be able to, you know, explain it in black and white terms for them. We didn't keep it black and white the whole time, but having that that conversation of this this is the reality. I know you're really struggling with it. Let us help you. Okay. Let us get you there. And so for him, and and I guess kind of where I'm getting at with this whole story is um the successful piece of it is now four years later, um, they're both employed at two different uh two different mills and um doing similar type work. Um, 
And the success for me was going over to visit the guys. I'd heard they'd gotten jobs. I know I no longer work with them. And I went over and we were sitting in the same man cave and the gentleman who was really struggling had been struggling, putting his foot down, didn't want to leave, no way. And he was sitting way high up in his recliner and I asked him, you know, about the job and he had this big grin on his face. And I asked him, you know, about the people, what his favorite thing was. And it was the relationships he was making. And the fact that he realized that he could still have relationships with his coworkers, but who was sitting down in the, the um, recliner right next to him cracking jokes was his friend from his, his other job. Life still looked the same. He just had a different place to go to for a little bit, but it still felt the same. I'm doing a hard day's work. I'm coming back and I can relax on my recliner and get my soda. My friends are still the same and those relationship pieces. But for him, we had to get him to agree to the steps, even though he wasn't totally on board, but enough for him to be able to get that perspective after the fact, because he was so at different times, he was so um, black and white that it was no, 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 I'm not going. But I think that sometimes that's why it's really hard to paint that perspective for some people who just aren't going to get it until they're actually out there. And so that's why it's so important to get that buy-in of the step by step by step and getting that trust to say, hey, just with our relation, just trust me, just check it out. Let's go see. And I think he got some of that experience through some employment path and the goals and doing informational interviews and being able to go out and do some volunteer work and get to meet and see some of those situations and take away a little bit of that fear of that safety net he'd been living in for so many years. And I know when we talked before, when we talked about these two gentlemen, one of the things that you shared with me is how many friends each man had made at his new job. And so while, while they kept their very good friends from all those years of working at the workshop, they also formed new relationships, it sounded like, at, at their new employers. Yeah. So they were, they were forming those new relationships. And again, both of them were very proud of that. But, the, you know, also the situation was that they still had a day where they, um, they were working two days at the new place. And then they could still go and have a part-time day where they could keep some of those relationships for now while they were transitioning at the old wood shop. And so they could still maintain some of those relationships as well. Um, so it was kind of a mix of that and being able to explain, you know, I think that's the beauty of the fact of where the employment path services, the facility sites are kind of winding down and we're, we have that opportunity that people can transition slowly, that we can work off the path, that we can take the steps to be able to make things work. And I think that's that's a great point, and I think that's a great place to leave this first podcast. We're doing two in this series. Um, is that it's not instantaneous; it is a journey. And what you've laid out is there are a number of steps. And in our second podcast, we're really going to ask you to do the deep dive and take us through how you have that employment conversation and really tease out those elements, especially the elements of fear and sometimes even anger on the part of the people we support or the people that 
love them like their family and friends. So I think this is a, a, a very good place to just stop this chapter. But we thank you for joining us on this Employment First podcast, and we'll have a follow-up. Oregon Employment First, supporting people with intellectual and developmental disabilities to work in community jobs. Learn more at iWorkWeSucceed.org.